Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. I want to talk to you tonight about God's plan to increase you. And uh, I think this is going to encourage you. Might be a little challenging. A little change might be required. But I believe God's going to speak something to you tonight that's going to at the end, it's going to encourage you and strengthen your heart. You're going to leave here believing that God has more for your life. And uh, I'm excited about that. Jeremiah 29, verse 4. Got you. Some of y'all thought I was going Jeremiah 29, 11. Got you. There's other verses in Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 4. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. That's an amazing sentence. God says, I carried you into exile. Let's not, we don't even want to jump into the theology of God carrying us into Babylon. That would mess with somebody's version of God right there. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says, build houses and settle down. Settle down in Babylon, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry, have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons. New Testament, find a wife. Singular. <laughs> the Old Testament was tripping. These dudes were tripping. They were it's like they were competing. How many can they have is weird. Anyhow, find a wife for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. That's the title of my sermon tonight. And I wish you would maybe turn to someone you know and say, do not decrease. Do not decrease. Maybe you're sitting by the side of somebody you don't know. You can look at them too and say, do not decrease. Do not decrease. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. What a joy. What a privilege. You're so good. You're so kind. You're so faithful. We love you. Thank you that we get to be together tonight. We don't take this moment for granted. Thank you that we get to be together tonight. Lift up your name and hear your word. We're leaning in right now. We came expecting you to do something in our lives, something that only you can do. We're believing for that. In Jesus name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Increase is at the heart of God's plan for his people. Just like Eric said tonight, be fruitful and multiply. It's actually the first command in the Bible, to be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis 1:28, God tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. He repeats it again. You know, when he destroys the world in a flood, he looks at Noah and he says to him and his sons, he says, be fruitful and multiply. In Exodus chapter one and verse seven to the people of Israel, the Bible says that they went in 70 and came out millions when they went into bondage. They were fruitful and increased greatly, the Bible says in Exodus 1-7. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong. 
The Bible says about Abraham, God said to Abraham in Genesis 22 and 17, he said, I will multiply you. He said, look at the stars, look at the sand on the seashore. That's how large, that's how many, that's how much I want you to increase. In Isaiah 54 and two, the Bible says that that Isaiah prophesied and he told the people to enlarge the place of your tent. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, Jabez prays and he says to God, enlarge my territory. The psalmist says in Psalm 115, verses 14 and 15, he says, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. I feel like I'm in a room with some people tonight who don't believe this about God. I feel like I'm in a room tonight with some people who maybe at one time believed that God had more for you, but because life has done what life has done to you, now you are discouraged. Now you have given up hope. Some of you had hope, but hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart grow sick. And some of you in the room are heart sick tonight. And I came tonight to declare to you again, to get you to believe again, to get you to trust again, to get you to dream again, because God still has more. It does not matter what your circumstances say it doesn't even matter what your past says God still has more his desire from the beginning has been that you would be fruitful and that you would multiply can somebody in the room say amen tonight that's what God wants for you do not decrease do not decrease and some people in the room tonight have to get out of a small-minded thinking process some of you have to get out of your limited mindset. I saw, I saw a meme this week, and I thought it was hilarious. It was about Independence Day, and it was someone they were talking to one of the founders, and, uh, and they, said, they said, you cannot just simply say that you are free and be free. And the founder looked back at him and said, oh, you must not have heard. We didn't just simply say it. We declared it. <laughs> I love that there's a difference between just saying something and declaring something. Listen, I came tonight so that you would maybe stick your chest out a little bit, put your head back up in the air, and maybe instead of just saying some things, go ahead and declare some things over your life tonight. God has more for me. Maybe you need to stand up on your feet and throw your hands up in the air and say, God has more. Maybe you need to walk around in a circle and declare to yourself, God has more. I don't know what you need to do tonight, but you need to get your head out of small thinking and get yourself into the space that God has for you, which is a large life over flowing with the promises of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. I feel like preaching tonight. Whether you feel like listening, that's on you. I'm going to preach anyway. I love Wednesday night. I don't come play games on Wednesday night. I feel like the people that are here on Wednesday night, you want to go deeper. So you don't want just some little, just generic little message. You came on a Wednesday expecting God to speak something that would get you out of where you are into where he has called you to be. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe that. I believe that's the expectation in the atmosphere. And if you will give God your attention, he will exceed your expectation tonight. Amen. Amen. Love little kids when they amen me. It's powerful. So understand though, if you want increase, you will have trouble. But listen to me, 
Don't be the person who is so preoccupied with your survival that you cannot succeed. That's what has happened to so many people in this room. You've been so disappointed by life, you are in survival mode. You tried stuff, it didn't work out the way you thought it was gonna work out. You gave it a chance. Maybe you thought you planted a seed or maybe you thought you gave everything that you have or maybe you thought you did it the right way and you didn't get what you thought were the right results. Because of that, you've grown discouraged. Like we talked about two weeks ago, you've grown dissatisfied. And I came to shake you out of that dissatisfaction tonight because you cannot be so preoccupied with your survival just making it that you fail to succeed. So you're either operating in in survival mode or thriving mode. And so many people right now, you're in neutral. You're just surviving. You're just getting by day to day, week to week. And that, can I tell you, I don't care what the angry people online say about prosperity. I don't care what they say. God wants you to prosper. Just because you're angry and you ain't never prospered, stop being mad because God's word is full of people that prospered in every way. As a matter of fact, John said to to the people of God, he said, I pray that you would prosper in every single way in your health. He wanted them to prosper financially. He wanted them to prosper in their family. He wanted them to prosper in their job. He wanted them to prosper in their business in every single way. God is concerned about every single aspect of your life tonight. And he wants you to prosper. Just a bunch of angry people online. Prosperity gospel. Just can't, I can't, I came tonight to shake you a little bit and tell you and remind you that God wants you to prosper. Wow. You'll never increase if you're controlled by fear. You'll never increase if you're controlled by what other people say and what other people think. You'll never increase. Listen to me tonight. You don't have to quit. You don't have to settle. You don't have to say, well, what I have now is better than what my dad had. I guess this is good enough. Well, I guess, you know, because, you know, it could be worse and I deserve hell. (laughs) I guess this is all that God has for me. You don't have to live that way. You listen to me. You do not have to live that way. God wants to do more. You don't have to settle. You don't have to compromise. You can have what God has declared you can have. The problem is, is a lot of people want inspiration instead of impartation. So they settle with coming to church and being inspired. They don't want anything to be imparted because, because inspiration can kind of wane. It can kind of disappear and it feels good in the moment, but there's no real like feeling of like, man, I'm responsible to do something about that, to say something about that, to act on that. 
So people would rather have inspiration instead of impartation. They'd rather have revelation that doesn't require any sort of desperation. I'm not talking about a prosperity that just sits and waits for checks to fall out of the sky. I'm talking about a prosperity that gets up and works the word of God and sees the fruit of what God's word says it can do in your life. I'm not talking about what you've seen on television and somebody said, hey, if you'll write me a check, God will bless you. I'm not talking about that kind of prosperity. I'm talking about prosperity that God says, I give you the ability to get wealthy. I give you the ability to get your life back. I give you the ability to get your strength back. Whatever you need, I'll give you the ability to do it. I'm not just going to drop stuff out of heaven. You, you checked in to the wrong church if you thought we were just going to start dropping gifts out of heaven. God, help me if we start, come a day where we like start doing drawings to get people to show up to church. Like if you'll come to church this Sunday, somebody's leaving with a free television. It's not... I'll give, I'll give you some principles from God's word to where a television won't even be, will be the least of your worries. Some of y'all are in here worrying about, can you afford a TV? And that is not what God is even talking about when he's talking about prosperity. God wants to get you in a place in your life where television isn't, isn't even on your radar. If you got a TV, you didn't even have to think about getting a TV. God doesn't want his people to have to get televisions on credit. Come on, man. You've been thinking wrong about prosperity. Prosperity is not your ability to get a loan from the bank. The banks will give loans to about anybody. They gave me a loan when I was 20 with a 540 credit rating. $20,000 a year in income. They'll give a loan to anybody. I'm talking about a prosperity where you stop thinking that God just wants to bless you and make you happy, but God wants to give something to you so that he can get something through you to somebody else. I'm talking about not just keeping your lights on, but paying other people's light bills. I'm, ta I'm talking about a prosperity that doesn't just change your life, but it changed lives for generations. This is what God wants to do. Come on, man. But now nah, the church in America, we just surviving. Just sitting back and just, just, God, just please come get us before it gets too bad around here. It's not Christianity. It's not our faith. So some of us, we look around and we see what's going on in the world and we get angry. But when is that anger going to turn into action? When is that anger going to go beyond just making a post about it online? When is that anger going to turn into some commitment? When is that frustration going to turn into some giving? When is that frustration going to turn into serving? When is that frustration going to turn into loving my neighbor? When is that frustration going to turn into loving my enemies? When is all of this anger and frustration, this built up and pent up emotion in the church going to turn into an action that begins to change the world around us? And, and if it seems like everything in your life comes with a fight, you have to understand faith is a fight. 
The apostle said, I fought the good fight of faith. Faith is a fight. And some people in this room, you've wondered, why have I had to fight my whole life? Fight for my family, fight for my career, fight for my job, fight for my business. Why have I had to fight for everything? Because faith is a fight. But here's the thing about a fighter. You cannot bring down a fighter. Because a fighter knows what it's like to be down before they ever got up. So being knocked down isn't a thing to a fighter. I, I, I love people that fight because you can't really even scare fighters. You can't scare a fighter with trouble because a fighter started with nothing. You're going to scare me with bad. Oh, I come from bad. You think this is bad. I, I loved the response of, of many of the elderly people in my life as the pandemic started to happen at the, at the beginning of 2020. And, and I said, hey, hey, listen, uh, 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 sir, ma'am, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be that young guy that's like concerned. You know, everybody was like, you need to stay home and love your neighbor and all that stuff. And so I'm just like trying to say, hey, listen, when we started having church again, I was like, if you're elderly, maybe please stay home. And elderly people got mad at me. Like, how dare you to tell me to stay home? Boy, I survived a world war. Like, okay. But this spirit of fight needs to rise up on the inside of you that says, enough is enough. Like, I believe that God can give me what God says he can give me. And I'm willing to fight for what God's word says I can have in my life. And I refuse to settle. I refuse to run out of breath until I get what God says I've got coming. I want faith like that. Come on, man. So I want to I want to talk to you tonight just for a brief moment about how how maybe your harvest is being interrupted. How maybe your increase is being interrupted because of some of the decisions that 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 we are making. That I've been making, you've been making that can limit my increase. That can limit God's process of you reap what you sow. Where you sow it, more than you sow. This is God's process. You reap what you sow, where you sow it, and you reap more than you sow. This is God's process for our life. And so I started to think about this, and I was like, God, if increase is your desire for me, then, then why, why are there some areas in my life where I'm not seeing increase? God began to talk to me, and I, I want to share these thoughts with you because I don't ever preach something that I, God hasn't preached to me. I don't feel qualified to talk to you about anything that God hasn't talked to me about. Okay, so th this is why he began to, to talk to me about, and some of this is going to sound really basic, but God has to talk to me really basic. Okay. My GPA was like a 2.8, y'all. I barely got out. And, and the only reason I graduated is because my Spanish teacher, she really liked me. I had an F, but she gave me a D. <laughs> or I wouldn't have got that last credit. And I would still be at Elizabethan High School trying to get out of there. <laughs> so this is how God talks to me. And, and so I, I started to discover something. He started to speak to me. And, and one of the things he said to me is, sometimes, Robbie, you are sowing seed into places that have your same limitations. 
Think about this. We sow seed into the dirt because the dirt does not have the same limitation as our hand. The dirt can do with the seed what our hand cannot do with the seed. So every time I release something into God's hands, I, I give him something that I think, in my mind, I could probably do pretty good with this, but I know that you don't have the same limitations I have, so I'm gonna put this in your hand. That's the transaction you make every time you give something to God. You sow seed into the ground because the ground does not have your same limitations. And some people aren't reaping because you are sowing seed into something that has your limitations. Malachi 3 and 10 says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. This is not a tithing message, but I just want, I want to make this point. Bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. He says, watch if I'm not better with your money than you are with your money. He says, if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. In other words, he says, if you bring the tithe and you put it in the right place, the storehouse. The storehouse will do for you. The kingdom will do for you. What you have limitations on your life and you cannot do for yourself. So I, I release it. As hard as it is. And not just money. My bitterness, my unforgiveness, my brokenness, my sorrow, my tears, my suffering, my shame. I give it to him. Everything that I give into the kingdom, the, give, the, the kingdom gives me, gives me something. He said, I'll give you beauty for ashes. You give me ashes. And the reason some of you aren't experiencing beauty is because you refuse to sow your ashes. That there may be food in my house. Another thought he, he's been sharing with me. And, and please understand, these are, these, are, these are incomplete. Maybe in some way, some of these could probably be an entire sermon by themselves. My dad takes my messages, and he's so smart. He takes my sermons, and he makes like six sermons out of one sermon. So, so I feel like, man, I could actually have six weeks of material here and not even know it. I'm working really, really hard when I don't have to work this hard. But, but here's another thought. Here's another thought. Psalm, Psalm 92 and 12 through 14 says this. It says, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like the cedars of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. Think about this. So it's not just important that I plant it in the right place. It's important that I plant it in a place that can contain the potential of the seed. So he says, you will flourish like a palm tree and you will, uh, palm trees grow really high, so you need a lot of space. You, you can't have limited space. And, and, and for many people in this room, you have a limited view of what God wants to do in your life. 
you've got your history and maybe some dreams that you have. And so your history and maybe your dreams, they combine and they have this view of life and all of your experiences and you have this view of life and you think that this is as good as it can be. But God says in Ephesians 3 and 20, he says, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. So whatever you have imagined for your life, God has more. So if you want to get mad at me because I'm talking about how God wants to bless you tonight, go ahead, get mad at me. But you're really mad at the Bible because the Bible said whatever you think God can do, he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or imagine. So your issue isn't with me, it's with God. Think about this. Plant it in the house of the Lord. Grow like the palm tree. He will flourish like palm tree. He will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Here's the problem with the cedars of Lebanon. The cedars of Lebanon, their roots have been found thousands of feet away from where the tree is positioned. You need a lot of space for a cedar. And this is what God says about your life. You are a cedar. You need space for your roots to grow. And some of you are not reaping the harvest, the increase that God has for you, because not only are you not sowing into a place that doesn't have your limitations, but you're not sowing into a place that's large enough for the potential that God put into your life. God said, Rob, sometimes, man, you are, you are wasting your time in places that are too small for you. And I, I get it. I get it because, man, sometimes, sometimes I have to have other people tell me how God sees me because I don't see me correctly. I, I can sometimes see myself as just this guy from East Tennessee that's got a good church and, man, God's doing some good things and we're growing and, and we're blessed. But, you know, maybe this, maybe this is all that God has for me, maybe, maybe I'm not good enough to have more campuses or maybe I'm not good enough to, 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 to be used by God in, in a greater way than just here. Maybe, maybe that's a limitation on my life and maybe it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm, I live in Johnson City and maybe if I was in Atlanta or maybe if I was in LA or maybe anybody else know what I'm talking about, you just, and you take all of these self-imposed things, self-imposed limitations that God never put on you and you put on you and you keep sowing seed into a space that isn't, that isn't big enough for you. The problem is, is you don't think you're big. You don't think you matter. You don't think you're important. And the reason you keep sowing into small things is because you think you're small. Ah, oh, somebody is hearing this right now. That's why it's quiet. That's why it's quiet. I never understand people who come to Calvary like, I don't like a big church. I don't like big stuff. What are you talking about? What is that attitude? I don't big churches. Look at them. Okay, look at them. What? What? Those Big, it's like a big church. No, what, what you don't like is being a small fish in a big pond. 
You like being the big dog. You like being the smartest person in every room you go in. And if you're the biggest fish in your pond and you're the smartest person in every room you go in, you need a bigger pond and a bigger room. I know this is true because there are so many people in this room. You left places where you had titles. We got former pastors in this church who said, you know what? I'd rather lose my title and go somewhere that's big enough for me to spread out and be who God's called me to be than have a title with no real influence, a title with no real authority, a title and nothing's changing. Big church of Calvary, that big old church. They don't even care about people. If we didn't care about people, why are so many people coming? <laughs> oh, man. The, the roots of these cedars, thousands of feet in the valleys below. Their circumference is massive because of their root structure. And some of you, you're a skinny tree when you're called to be a cedar tree because your roots have nowhere to go. Also, so sometimes I'm sowing into places that have my limitations and sometimes I'm sowing. Sometimes, sometimes I'm sowing into places that limit my growth. Sometimes I'm sowing into places that aren't near water. Psalm 1, 1 through 4 says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a sinner's take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. If you've got withering leaves, you need to make sure you're planted by streams. Whatever they do prospers, the Bible says. Not so with the wicked. They're like the chaff that the wind blows away. If you are getting blown away by every circumstance of life, you're not planted by streams. So sometimes... Sometimes not only am I not planted by streams, sometimes I'm watering something that isn't planted. <laughs> and you waste your water sometimes. Let me put this a nice way. Sometimes we waste our water on people that are not planted in our lives. Somebody said, somebody, somebody said, Robbie, did you hear about what so-and-so said about you? I said, I don't think I care. Don't you want to know? Not really. Why? Because it's really not going to impact me either way unless they're planted in my life. You ever notice that critics are never planted in your life? Critics are never the people that are planted in your life. 
Critics are the people that are on the peripheral of your life. They always got something to say. Always got a reason to talk about you, talk bad about you, talk down about what you're doing. Always push you into a place where you think you're not good enough and they are getting your water and they're not even planted in your life. In Nehemiah chapter six, these two men, Sambalit and Tobiah, they come to Nehemiah and the people of God are building a wall. They're restoring the wall of the city. And, and they, 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 they look up at Nehemiah while he's, while he's building the wall and, or they actually send him, send him a letter and, and they say, you know, we need to meet with you and we need to talk to you about this wall that you're building. Pastor Robbie, I want to talk to you about your preaching. It'd be like, be like, be like some random person just, just sending you a message. I want to talk to you about how you run your business, right? And they want to have a meeting with you. I want to talk to you about how you mow lawns. I want to talk to you about how you do taxes. I want to talk to you. About, have you ever noticed it's not, it's never somebody who mows lawns who wants to talk to you about mowing lawns. It's always somebody who doesn't do what you do. Isn't it funny that movie critics are not actors? <laughs> because they're not good enough to act. They criticize those that do. So, 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 yeah, it's, it's, Nehemiah, we need to meet with you. Nehemiah sends a letter back. He says, uh, will you let them know that uh, I'm not going to meet with them? <laughs> and will you let them know the reason I'm not going to meet with them is because I'm doing something great over here. Why in the world would I get off of this wall that I'm building and talk to you when I've got something great to do for God? This is stop wasting your water on Sambalit and Tobiah. They're not planted in your life. Why would I waste my time talking with people who aren't building the wall with me? If you're not in this with me, I don't care what you got to say. But if we're fighting together, I don't think we really have time to criticize one another. We're just trying to get something done for the kingdom. Oh, God. Oh, man. And so here's, here's a thought. I, I used to. I used to when God, because God started opening weird and strange doors to me. And I thought, why is this, why is this happening? And at first it intimidated me. And I was like, I was, I was nervous because I, part of me was like, oh, you're, these people aren't going to really, again, it was the, oh, you're from John City. Like every time I, every time I talk to somebody from a big city, I have to say, they're like, where are you from? I'm like, you know, you know, uh. You know, <laughs> you know, University of Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Um, we're like an hour and a half east of Knoxville. Anybody else like that's how you we're like an hour and a half. We're actually closer to Charlotte than we are Nashville. Like we're not even really in Tennessee. Sometimes it feels like I could be in North Carolina faster than I can be in Greenville. They're always like, hey, how far is Memphis? Oh, my gosh. That's an entire day. <laughs> you 
You know that little pointy part when you look at Tennessee on the map, the little part that just kind of sticks out? Anybody else? That's where I'm at. And after like half an hour of trying to explain where I live, they're like, good Lord, you're nobody. That's what I'm thinking in my head. You are nobody. You have to zoom in on the map to see your city. Like you have to double click. You go to, you go to MapQuest, you have to double click to see Johnson City. So I, I'm always just like, man, you know, I, and, and, and this is, this is how you stack. So I, I would, you know, I would explain it and, you know, we're really, we're really close to something big. You know, the University of Tennessee is like a hundred and some thousand people. Uh, so, so I was, I was, I was getting in these rooms and these spaces and I was like, I, I don't even know what your intention for me here is. Like, I don't belong here. Like I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here and so instead of using those opportunities the way God wanted me to use them I missed those opportunities because in because here's what we do sometimes when God brings somebody into our life that's bigger than us we misinterpret that and we we compare ourselves to them and we get jealous of them. So God was bringing me into these places where it was people that were bigger than me, people that had more influence than me, people that had more bigger church than me, people that had more this and that than me. And I just thought, I don't even understand why I'm here. And I just was kind of shrinking back. And, and, and God really revealed something to me in Scripture. In 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, the Bible says that Elisha poured water on the hands of Elijah. And God began to speak to me. He said, Robbie, when I bring someone in your life that's bigger than you, don't get jealous of them, water them. Elisha ended up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah. Because whatever you water, you have the right to demand a harvest from. So there are a lot of people in this room, you're missing opportunities because you just think of yourself too small. Your mind has been trained to be jealous of anybody who has more than you, to talk bad about people who are successful. Oh, I know how they got that. How'd they get it? Drugs. Okay. Heard this the other day. Man, look at that house. Yeah, I know how they got it. How? Drugs. Every, every time you see something that's, that's, that's more successful than you or somebody, it's always a negative. Yeah, I know how they did it. Stole it. <laughs> well, they're not in jail, so apparently they never. Well, you, if you only knew. Man, look at that. Look at that. Oh, I, I know how they got that. Cheated on her taxes. And because of our own insecurities, we always have to explain somebody else's success away. I've got to be cautious of that because if not, God will bring bigger people than me into my life and I'll ruin it because I was jealous and I compared myself and, and I had to poke holes and their success because their success was a mirror for my lack of it. 
when God doesn't bring successful people into your life and people that are bigger than you in your life for you to be jealous, he brings them in your, in your life to show you where he wants to take you, to give you a glimpse of what he has for you. If I'll do it for them, and they did drugs, I'll do it for you. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. I was thinking about this today, and I'll close here. I was thinking about, you know how, you ever watch the movie Free Willy? <laughs> You're like, well, how did we go from <laughs> drugs to Free Willy? I don't know. There's a Michael Jackson song in there somewhere. <sighs> you remember that poor killer whale's dorsal fin? <laughs> I could just see it. You remember at the end of that movie, it's just jumping over the rock. It's poor little dorsal fin is like. They say that happens because of the limitations of their surroundings. So they say that the percentage of killer whales that are in captivity that have dorsal fins that have fatigued are greater than those that are in the wild. Fatigue in a dorsal fin happens to killer whales, but it usually happens as a result of, of age, as they grow older. And one of the things, one of the reasons that the dorsal fin stays straight and strong on a killer whale that's in the wild is because of the pressure of the sea. the pressure that the sea puts on them as they swim through the ocean. And there's not that same amount of pressure in, even though some of their spaces are large, they're, they're not the ocean. That's why some of us prefer captivity over freedom, because we don't like the pressure of freedom. That's why the children of Israel said, hey, take us back to Egypt because we prefer, we prefer the comfort of bondage over the uncertainty of freedom. There's pressure out here that we've never experienced before. There's stuff in these waters. There's stuff in this desert. There's stuff in this job. There's stuff in this season of my life that I've never experienced before. So I'd rather... And so you limit yourself. Don't limit a limitless God. Don't put constraints and restraints on God. Don't hold him hostage to your expectation. Because the only time you see Jesus unable to do what Jesus wanted to do is when people couldn't believe that he could do and he was who he says he was. He says, he went to his hometown and he, he, he marveled at their unbelief and the Bible says he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Don't, 
hold God's hands behind his back because of your unbelief. Don't hold him hostage to your expectation. Increase your expectation. I know that you're going through some difficult things, but the verses that I read at the beginning about the increase of the people of God, did you notice that most of the situations that they were in were not good? Babylon was bad. But God said, even in Babylon, do not decrease there. But God, I just lost someone I love. Don't decrease there. But God, I just lost my job. Don't decrease there. But God, my marriage just felt, don't decrease there. God, I don't know what's going on. Don't decrease there. God, I'm, I'm not really understanding what you're doing. Don't decrease there. God, I'm in Babylon. Don't decrease there. Don't let your surroundings dictate your expectation. Let who God says he is dictate what you expect in every season of your life. And you will be like a cedar planted in the house of God, flourishing and green in your old age, looking around at the expanse of everything that God has done for you from from your life to your health, to your children, to your wealth, whatever it is, you will look around and you will say, thank you that I didn't limit you to what I expected of me. But I opened up my eyes to see what you expected of what you put in me. Because what's in you is bigger than what you see for you. So Father, right now in Jesus' name, we're asking you to help us. Help us. This isn't some weird prosperity message about new cars and fancy stuff. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the wealth that God gives. When God brings wealth in our life, we're talking about that wealth, that wealth that brings no sorrow with it. Because you can have a lot of money and a lot of sorrow. You can have a big house and a lot of sorrow. I want the type of wealth, I want the type of prosperity that you bring into my life that the word says has no sorrow connected to it. That's what I want. I want that increase. So help me to put my seed into places that don't have my limitations. Help me to stop holding back. Help me to give what you are telling me to give. Help me to sow it into your house. Your kingdom has no limitations. And when I sow it into your house, into your storehouse, you say you'll open up the windows of heaven and you'll pour out a blessing that I don't have room enough to receive. And there will, no, there will be no needs that aren't met. I believe your word. I'm not going to settle for your word because some angry Christian told me that you don't want me to have nothing. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to settle for less than what you said I could have. I'll go to my grave believing that you're a God who heals, that you're a God who prospers, that you're a God who brings increase. We got to get a mind made up like Job who says, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That type of mindset is a mindset that gets double for its trouble. That type of mindset is a mindset that gets restored unto him double of everything he lost. Give us that mindset. I trust your word. Might not see 
so much of what I want to see right now, but I trust your word. Might not look like what I want it to look like right now, but I trust your word. Help me to have the endurance necessary. I'll just need to sow for a couple months and be like, well, God, I gave you two months. Sowing and reaping, it's a lifetime. Serving and giving, it's a lifetime. But Jesus even promised. He said, nobody who's given up anything in this life will I not repay in this life a hundredfold and give them eternal life. So, Father, we thank you right now that you are not just concerned with our eternity. You are concerned with our right now. And you have more. And we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody in the room stood up on your feet and said, Amen. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Not people's opinion. We trust your word. Amen. Amen. I love you so much. And I know there's hot dogs. I don't want them to get cold out there. And I love you guys. And I'm so thankful for it. But if you need prayer, we've got a prayer team who would love to meet you up front. But we'd ask that everybody else, if you would, you would just fellowship and hang out. And like Rebecca said, we've got um, some crew leaders that are going to be out here in the hub area who would love to meet you. If you're interested in becoming a part of a small group or hosting a small group, We'd love for you to get a part of that. This Sunday, I'm starting a series on the life of Joseph, and I can't wait to share it with you for the next couple weeks. And then the last Sunday of July, Pastor Chad Veach is going to be here with us. going to be an awesome time. So we'll see you soon. July is going to be awesome. God bless you.